Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Tuesday, September 8th, and on today's episode, first and foremost, I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. And really, over this Labor Day weekend, the rumor mill surrounding the Big Ten that has been firing pretty much for three consecutive weeks was rather quiet from Friday afternoon all the way until Monday night, which was Labor Day. There was college football, actual games to be played, and the speculation and the reports, in air quotes, surrounding the Big Ten Conference, kind of were quiet. All was quiet on the Big Ten front. So not a whole lot to report about the reports on the Big Ten and the speculation surrounding the ramifications following the Big Ten's decision to cancel slash postpone the fall sports season, which allows us here on the Locked On Big Ten show to talk about other teams, to talk about other football being played, and to talk about another conference and where Big Ten loyalties should lie in such a conference. So that leads us to... And now I am very delighted to be welcoming on to the Locked On Big Ten show, making his debut... A welcomed member of this Locked On Podcast Network. We now even more so co-workers than in the past. Matt Moscona, who is on this podcast right now. He's the host of Locked On LSU. He's the host of After Further Review on ESPN radio stations affiliated all throughout the great state of Louisiana. Catch After Further Review, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time. The best time zone, in my opinion. But I let off saying we are now even more co-workers, Matt Moscona, because we are both hosts of the new and improved and revamped locked on college football so my man what is good it's great to be talking with you Ben. you too man look i'm just pumped to be talking college football uh definitely excited to be part of the locked on college football channel and you're right i'm very glad to hear you say that the central time zone is the best time zone because as someone who has lived in both the central and eastern time zones there's nothing like a 7 p.m kickoff in prime time because you're going to finish while it's still the same day it started. Mm-hmm. And if you have work the next day, you're good. You're good. And it's not Pacific where you're kicking off before anybody gets off work. So it's like uh, TV was made for the central time zone. I would, I, agree. I would completely agree with that statement. Let me further on top of that because I also grew up in the Pacific time zone, now living in the ah. east, but also lived for two years in the central time zone. There is no better time zone for sports and live sports viewing than the central time zone. Yeah. Getting for a college basketball game at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday out in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, absolutely terrible. Falling asleep mm-hmm. at like 12.30 after a Sunday night football game goes late, like overtime between the Packers and the Vikings, like that's terrible too. Central Brutal. time zone has it all. You don't have to wake up too early for Saturday morning college football. 11 a.m. is the sweet spot. You also don't have to wait too long. I mean, really. The Central Time Zone has figured it out when it comes to live sports viewing. And the worst, by the way. So I lived a year in South Bend, Indiana, and they do the half-year Central, half-year East. Brutal. Brutal. Like, when you just switch it like that in the middle of the year, and and now all of a sudden you're staying up until 1 a.m. to watch football, absolutely heinous. Whoever, If it was because of farmers or whatever, the daylight saving, you're brutal. Forget that. Let's just all go to Central Time Zone. You would think in South Bend, Indiana, Touchdown Jesus would have put out a proclamation and said, listen, we're going one time zone. It's Central, and that's it. Everybody would listen to that. You would think in South Bend, Indiana, no? 
I would think so, but then everyone would realize that really no one really cares what Notre Dame thinks about anything. So we just move on with our lives. Oh, let's go. And this we can bash Notre Dame because they are an ACC school. And our <laughs> two conferences that we cover, and the main reason I have you on, Matt Moscona, is to talk about the SEC. And we're going to have some fun with this conversation today and making some comparisons to Big Ten programs and who okay. some of those Big Ten fans should put their loyalties into for this upcoming 2020 season. Now, before we get to that, we can break down all 14 SEC schools. We don't have to get to all of them. We can do whatever you so feel. But I have to ask, as a Big Ten guy now talking to an SEC guy, what's it like being able to actually cover college football and talking depth charts and talking yeah. roster reports and all that comes with that, not just talking about, hey, there might be a president's meeting on Friday. Right. There might not be. Who knows? So there is some actual appeal to what you get to do because mm -hmm. of the uncertainty of it, right? I mean, there's a lot of interest when there's uncertainty right so in some respect the radio host and me looks at that and goes that's actually pretty cool but realistically like we all got in this business to to talk about sports right the sports that we cover and the sports that we love and the teams that we care about so the fact that the sec is moving forward and you know we're inside of three weeks now from football is is spectacular i mean i you know, to think about how LSU might look uh, defending its national championship after what is statistically and by many accounts subjectively the greatest uh, season in the history of college football. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's so much intrigue. And to be able to, to look at this team and and Miles Brennan and sort of the, you know, the, the Ed Ogeron encore uh, – you know, angle it's it's a fascinating team right because the everyone sort of roundly agrees clemson alabama ohio state have solidified themselves in this sort of rarefied air where we all know the expectation is regardless of what they lose they're going to be right back in the mix the next year this is an opportunity for lsu to prove that they're in that same category if after losing 20 guys to the nfl and having jamar chase and tyler shelvin opt out right if they can still push and contend for a championship, it kind of proves they belong in that same conversation. Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but LSU returns only five starters from last year's national championship team. I know it's a small number. That might even be generous. It kind of, <laughs> de it kind of depends on how, what you label as a starter. But right. the, the bottom line is they had 14 guys drafted. Mm -hmm. They put 20 into NFL camps when you consider undrafted free agents. And now when you look at the opt-outs of Chase and Sheldon, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, to in total, it's just a handful of guys that you could even classify as starters from a year ago. All right. So now that you cover LSU and you are the host of Locked On LSU, let's start our SEC to Big Ten comparisons in the SEC West. And I think we should start at the top with the Alabama Crimson Tide. And then we can roll through it however you want. I know I'm the host and I'm supposed to steer you in the right direction. But if you want to talk about all seven teams in the SEC West, feel free. If you want to leave out Arkansas because nobody cares and it's like, okay, Arkansas, Rutgers, it's the same thing, feel free to do that as well. <laughs> but let's start with Alabama, and then we'll get to the Tigers that you cover next right after that. So do you want me to, like, give a comp Bama to a, a Big Ten school, or do you just want me to think, tell you what I think Bama's going to be this year? No, Bama to a Big Ten school. And then you can give me a slight Alabama has a chance to do this in 2020 if you feel, yes. Yeah, I think the most obvious comp it would be Ohio State because Bama is the one that's always the perennial contender and Ohio State is there as 
well. But this is one of those years. So Bama's interesting because Bama's coming off a year where they weren't great. They lost to LSU. They lost to Auburn. They weren't in the playoff for the first time in the playoff era. And some were wondering, like, are there cracks or chinks in the armor? And this a lot of people are looking at as the bounce back year for Alabama. But realistically, you're looking at Mac Jones at quarterback and a true freshman in Bryce Young. So I don't know that I necessarily agree that this is the Bama team that's poised for the bounce back year. And if not, I think you could legit – like every dynasty has its end. I mean, if you grew up watching college football and loving college football in the 90s and you watch like Florida State have 11 straight top five finishes, you're like, that's never going to end. Right. If you're if you watch Nebraska go like thirty year forty years of bowl games, it's like that's never going to end. Way but, to endear yourself to the Big Ten crowd, Matt Muscona. Although not so happy with Nebraska at the moment, but still somewhere along the lines, there's Big Ten ties. Do do Big Ten fans are, are like? See, if I was a Big Ten fan, I would be very grateful for Nebraska today. Like Nebraska was the one that was like. Leap you. Let's go play, man. Like right. they were the one that actually had the gonads to step up and say, let's do this thing. Right. I mean, I think Brownlee fans, do you correct me if I'm wrong, man, but it, it feels like the Big Ten fans and players and coaches want to play. Absolutely. Like, there were the whatever it was, pol- political, that, what, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was that, that was the roadblock for the Big Ten, the fans, coaches, players wanted to hurdle that. And Nebraska was the one that was like, let's go. I'll I'll jump first. And I respect that for it, man. So SEC teams getting ready to start their season in just about two weeks from now, September 26th. What they are going to need to get ready for a football season, energy, fuel, nutrition, but also delicious treats. And really, whether you're in the SEC or the Big Ten or anywhere you're listening to this podcast, you need your energy and you want to do it in a healthy way. So why not fill that in with Built Bar? Because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. It was already great and now it is greater. 18 amazing flavors that include six new incredible flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Oh, to pair with their 12 original flavors that were already so good. I mean, how can Built Bar get even better? It did. It truly did. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And my pro tip to you is always, if you put them in the freezer right before you eat them, give them like 5, 10 minutes. That's a sweet spot. They are going to be absolutely perfect and delicious-er than they were before. And on top of that, as I mentioned, Built Bars are healthy. Perfect for the health-conscious person looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are good where it counts. They're low in calorie and low in sugar, but they are high in protein and high in fiber. So right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your next order. When you use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, bar.com and while supplies last if they are still lasting because built bar provides that energy to keep you going maybe this is still lasting too a free cooler with your purchase and that purchase gets even sweeter than the built bar itself when you use promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com and things that have been poorly run in recent history the big ten's handling of postponing a fall sports season things that should not run poorly both the big ten conference but on top of that your automobile. 
And when you go to rockauto.com for convenient self-service, you'll make sure you get the best parts you need so that your car never runs poorly. In fact, it runs incredibly. At rockauto.com, it's a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And because they have such a supply, they'll have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. It is convenient. It is self-service. It is made so, so simple for you at rockauto.com. And best of all at rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Here's a question that should not be hard. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You never should and you never will at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you're there, write locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here from the Locked On Podcast Network. Both Matt Moscona and I would recommend you go to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, one time for the jingle, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. RockAuto.com. Whether you like the Huskers or not, whether you take the Desmond Howard approach like Nebraska owes oh. it to the Big Ten and make sure you, you know, kiss, you know, smell the roses and pretty much appreciate what you have, which I don't agree with. I mean, listen, we all understand why college football happens the way it does. Nebraska came to the Big Ten because of the TV rights and the money they got. That is why they are there. But listen, what Nebraska did in the aftermath of the Big Ten's decision has really sparked this conversation and kept it going for the past three and a half, now four weeks, and has led to a lot of the information being finally shared from the Big Ten's commissioner's office. We wouldn't have heard from Kevin Warren and some of the statements that have been made, especially most recently last week, and that there was a final vote of 11 to 3 and a sworn filed deposition and two affidavits if we do not have the Nebraska lawsuit in Lancaster County Court in Lincoln, Nebraska. We don't have any of that without some of these people leading the charge and pushing back against it. That is what's been so infuriating is the league office didn't lead that charge. It went to its members' institutions and made them do such a thing, and especially the players at Nebraska really leading that charge to get the Big Ten to speak. So I think, like you, that I agree at right now, if you're a fan of the Big Ten and just are hoping for some sort of transparency, because like me, I don't necessarily disagree with the Big Ten's decision. At least I didn't at first. And now when you see a lot of college football being played, it leaves the fan in you wondering why can some schools play and why can others not? But what I've been so mad about has been the lack of transparency, the breakdown of communication. And really, Nebraska has been at the forefront of pushing towards getting the answers we all wanted. Hey, Ben, a lot of your, a lot of the audience may look at me and go, you know, whatever SEC guy, LSU guy. But the reality is Big Ten leadership failed the conference. Big time. The, and so much of this conversation, and, and I, I need to be very upfront, like when it comes to politics, like I'm agnostic. I don't, I, I don't care who you vote for. I, like a lot of people in an election year, some people find that hard to believe and everybody wants to make this political. I'm one of those guys who generally says, love every human being, treat people with respect, be a functioning member of society, work hard, love your family, and we're all going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like, regardless of who's wins election, I like we're good. Yeah. Um, and we've been good for almost 300 years as a nation. So, I, I mean, so you got to understand where I'm coming from with that. Right. But the reality is 
what the SEC commissioner did, Greg Sankey, in this whole process was he said, we're, he, he's used this analogy several times, and I've spoken with him firsthand, and, and he's told me this. He's like, we're, we're building the bridge as we cross it. Yeah. And, and it would be way easier just to say, hey, let's just, let's just punt and not do this. But there's so much on the line regionally here because Big Ten is very affluent, very wealthy, very academically established universities. In the southeastern part of our nation, that's just not the case. Like when you look at Michigan's endowment or Ohio State's endowment or Penn State or like even you know, Northwestern, even school like Michigan State, like Michigan State's endowment is three and a half billion dollars. LSU's a half a billion. Like it's mass, it's a massive disparity. And then when you look at just the, 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 the nature of the, the economic impact these universities has had in small Southeast college towns, yeah, the Bryan College Station where Texas A&M is, the Bryan College Station Chamber of Commerce estimated that Texas A&M directly or indirectly accounts for 20% of that city's economy. 20%! Yeah, it's wild. You, here, there wasn't an option. You had to find a way so the whole approach was get me to a yes. Mm-hmm. Big Ten, the Pac-12, it was more, it, it appeared outside looking at it, it appeared more like this is going to be hard. Yeah, let's not fool with it. And and that's a failure in leadership, in my opinion, man. So uh, that's probably not a super popular take in Big Ten country, but that's how I feel, man. And when you watch South Alabama and UAB and BYU and like all these schools find a, Central Arkansas found a way, like yeah, I don't know. Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin and Michigan, all these schools with massive resources. How do you not find a way, man? Right. That's that's the part that I'm sure many Big Ten fans wonder today, and I do as well. Oh, for sure. And I think that really was the stem of what a lot of Big Tens were so furious about right when the decision to postpone was announced because they said, you just put out the conference-only schedule six days ago. And sure, Big Ten Commission Kevin Warren, when you did it, you came from a pragmatic approach that said, this does not guarantee we play a college football season. But what did you learn in six days that made it seem like, hey, we built this schedule from flexibility. We called it Jenga 41. We had all these options to we're not even going to make a chance. We're not even going to try to do this. What did you learn? And whatever that was, can you at least share it with us so we all know too? That's really where I think a lot of frustration built from Big Ten fans. And I'll tell you this too, Ben. Like the other part that is a – when you talk about it, it's, I think, easy to throw around like big terms like failure and leadership. But think about this on that Thursday when the Big Ten announced they were going conference only, all of the conference commissioners had a collective conference call schedule for the next day. Yeah. Why not wait one more day? Why? Like, why not wait one more day? Right. On, on that Saturday where it appeared evident that, that the Big Ten was going to follow the max lead and cancel the fall like before you made that leap why not make sure everyone was going to follow suit it, it it almost felt like the scene from old school where will ferrell's butt naked running through, like we're yeah. going to see who's coming with me or, or like the jerry Maguire scene like who's coming with me and right. like okay renee zellweger and the fish came with you but everyone else stared at you like bro we ain't going with you you know right. what i mean like you that's where I say it's a failure of leadership because you needed to have that plan. You needed to have that those those 
those relationships align beforehand, not just Pac-10, Big 12. Right. Because the because the majority of the Power Five, the majority of of the FBS is is playing, is finding a way. On Wednesday, August 11th, initial reaction to that, when I found out that a lot of the other FBS schools were going to continue to play and they released their statements saying the Power Five conferences, other than the Pac-12, were going to try to continue to find a way to play football this fall. I said there is going to be a right side of history and there is going to be a wrong side of history. The Big Ten right now pretty much has to hope that a football season that takes place for the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 does not go off well. But that's a crappy position to be in because now you're rooting for other people to have a failure when that should not be the case. There should have been some collective cohesion between the Power Five conferences. And you're right, Matt. It really dates back to the beginning of July when the Big Ten was the first to announce a conference-only schedule. And I think that peeved off a lot of the other Power Five commissioners. So it was the first domino to fall. Yes. As we have started to now take this show into a different direction, I think I have, completely, I have completely railroaded your show. But it's an engaging conversation. And I think those are kind of the conversations that I've been having over the last couple of weeks that I think the fans deserve and they want to hear is some of this engagement between people coming from an outside perspective. You can hear me rant about the Big Ten all day long, but to get somebody who has been in the industry covering college football like you, being around last year's national title holders in Baton Rouge for LSU, you have a perspective that's a little bit different, but also very credible. And just from this conversation, Matt, I can say very authentic and relatable to the way a lot of college football fans are feeling across the country. Plenty more still ahead with Matt Moscona. This has been an engaging conversation that has taken a few tangents, a few different trails, but we get back to some of those comparisons between the SEC and the Big Ten and where your loyalty should lie for the 2020 season. That's coming up next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is pretty much going to be the final segment of Tuesday's Locked On Big Ten right now. Let's get back to the comps. Let's go through it. You said Alabama is Ohio State. Now tell me who Louisiana State University is. The Tigers that you cover, who do they most resemble in the Big Ten Conference? So if I would go historically, I'd probably look at Penn State. Mm -hmm. But you just when you look at the sort of a, a program with a ton of history that's won national titles – it's it's really hard to make that comp though now because I like I feel like LSU is a is in position to be a perennial contender. I'm not sure. I feel like Penn State is right there right, right. now. And I, which I would is, agree with that. Yeah, like which is an odd thing because I really thought when Penn State hired James Franklin because of what he was able to do at Vanderbilt. And people get like I'm sure your audience knows this, but like he when coaching waiting was still a thing, he was coaching waiting in Maryland. Like yeah. when Maryland was still an ACC school, he's been well thought of for for 15 years, you know, in college football, probably longer, but you know, nationally. So I would have thought Franklin would have had Penn State in a position to compete for a national title by now. So that surprises me a little bit. 
And that's the thing about Penn State that I think, like you mentioned, at least here in the last few years, LSU has been able to do, has been able to rise, as we saw absolutely last year in 2019, to winning a national title. Penn State feels still a gap away from that. Yes, they can compete for a chance at the college football playoff, but they're probably still going to be in sixth, seventh, or eighth position when the year is done. And even if they were to get there, I don't think they match up to the likes of a Clemson, of an Alabama, of an LSU, or even an Ohio State from their own conference as of right now. But Penn State, they're making their way, and that's good. You know, that's a, that's a solid start. So let's look at the middle of the SEC West. Let's look at Texas A&M and Auburn. Do you have any schools from the Big Ten those two compare with? So if I were to look at Texas A&M, I'd comp them to Michigan. Okay. Um, incre- now, granted, A&M hasn't won a national title since the 40s. And Michigan has, obviously. Right. But recently, those two schools absolutely perplex me. When I look at the amount of resources that they have, the amount of money, the facilities, fan loyal fan bases, history, tradition, everything. Like, if you were to just create a list of all the things you need to recruit great athletes – and I wouldn't even say A&M has an advantage because the state of Texas is overflowing with high school talent. Right. How Michigan and Texas A&M have not been more competitive in the national landscape. Now, I'm not talking about your preseason number 10 because you have the winged helmet. I'm talking about when the end of the season comes and we're talking about you know, the, the, the silly college football selection show, playoff selection show, and they're debating who belongs in the playoff. The fact that those two programs haven't been there is perplexing because like both spent ungodly amounts of money on major national head coaches with enormous amounts of respect and have given their programs every possible resource and they can't get over the hump. Like I think the, in this comp, the easiest is Michigan, Texas A&M. I like that. That would not have been a school that I would have thought of for Texas A&M, but I really like the comp and I think it's solid. I really (laughs) think it's solid. Who would I have said for Texas A&M? That's a great question. I'm not sure I know it off the top of my head, really, to be honest. Because you look, at least in the present, having Jimbo Fisher, the big-name head coach who has had success along his path, and to have Kellen Mond, a strong, solid quarterback, I would maybe even look more to a Penn State just based on the head coach-quarterback comparison there, having Sean Clifford back for the Nittany Lions. See, it's, hard, it's tough for me, Matt, I'll be honest with you, to talk about what the Big Ten might have put on the field this season because it's still too raw in my heart. Yeah. It catch, it makes me <laughs> emotional at times. But I would have maybe leaned Penn State, but I love the Michigan comparison. And that's why you, my friend, are more knowledgeable than I because that was spot on. Very, very spot on. You have one for Auburn now. Uh, for Auburn, I would go Wisconsin. I think, like, programs that are generally overshadowed within their conference and within their division but have had a ton of success – have had great lineage. Now, Auburn has won a national title, obviously, but that feels like a bit of an outlier because of, of the Cam Newton season. And he was just right. – I mean, they basically had two cheat codes. They had Cam Newton and Nick Fairley. On offense and defense, they had a cheat code on each side of the ball. Right. And, and none – by the way, aside from Cam Newton, I believe Lee Zimba is the only player from that offense that even got a shot in the NFL. Like, it's absurd that they won a national title. So, like, take that year and punt it. I think – perennial top 15 teams solid programs they pump guys into the nfl good coaches they recruit well they're just overshadowed in their division 
I would say in their state, Auburn's obviously overshadowed in their state, Wisconsin's not, but in their division, in their conference, a team that probably it, it's harder to get to a national championship level than other league schools in their league, but perennially strong, solid, could beat any team in their league on any given Saturday type deal, and is always in contention for top 10 for New Year's Six, that sort of thing. All right, so let's move to the top of the SEC East now. You have the likes of Florida, of Georgia, the old reliables in Tennessee that maybe, uh, hint, hint, we're good in the 90s, Nebraska, hint, hint. Could those <laughs> comparisons be on the top of your head? Let's start with the Bulldogs of Georgia, Matt. See, I've already scratched off the ones that I think would compare. You could uh, compare to multiple ones. Our Big Ten allegiances are really up in the air right now. We could go wherever. So we might need a couple variations. So if I were to compare Georgia, I would say Penn State. Yeah, I was also going to say Penn State. And and I'll grant you, my feeling on Georgia might be completely different had they not been Tua Tungo by Lowood in the second half of the national championship game. True. Very fair. And so that alters a lot of people's perspectives of Georgia. Um, I would say Georgia is is most comparable to Penn State. Tons of talent and just has been knocking on the doorstep but hasn't gotten over the hump. Right. I would agree with that. Now, what about the Gators of Florida doing the chomp? Who do you see them comparing to in the Big Ten? You know what I'm finding as we're having this conversation, Ben? It's like I feel like there's this after the top three – there's a massive drop off because, like, I can't bring my like. I know Minnesota finished in the top ten last year. I know Kirk Ferentz and Iowa is like feels like they're perpetually, you know, eight and four. But like, I can't bring myself to comp any other team in the Big Ten to a school like Florida. You know I what agree. I mean? It feels like I've got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and after those four, I don't know where else to take the combo. Yeah, you know what I mean? It, it's like, like it. The SEC has its fall off the cliff. There's no question. Every league does. Mm-hmm. But it take it's farther down till you get to that moment. In the Big Ten, I got these top four, and then I'm not sure that I think anybody else – because Florida is a program that, because of their in-state recruiting, they've won, two na- they've won three national titles since 96, two in the 2000s. Like, who is that program in the Big Ten? It's Ohio State. Well, we've already comped like, and I don't think Florida right now is at the level of Ohio State, but I think they have the the potential to be. I don't know what other school in the Big Ten, aside from maybe Michigan or, or Penn State, has the opportunity to be what Florida can be because of their inherent advantages in, in the state of Florida. Absolutely. I agree with you completely on that, Matt, because back in July, before the Big Ten made their big announcement that we would not have fall football, the Fox Sports College football account put out an SEC versus Big Ten virtual football challenge or whatever. And I was going through this with my friend Drew Carter, who's a sports anchor in Birmingham, Alabama. And we were talking about the fact that the games at the top are pretty solid. But Big Ten as a conference itself has depth because they beat up on each other. But if you were to put the likes of a mid-tier Big Ten team versus a middle-of-the-pack SEC team, I think the talent in the Southeastern Conference wins over pretty much nine times out of ten. So those comparisons are much harder to make, in my opinion, right in the middle of the thick of the conferences. The, the tough, the tough thing though is, is I know the argument always then goes, okay, what happens in bowl games? And you'll look at like Outback Bowl or something like that, where right. you know, you know, Iowa may beat South Carolina or something. It, but I always struggle with those comps. And but and this, I'm consistent on this, by the way. 
bowl game I, I will never use bowl games unless if we're talking about playoff games mm-hmm. as as a discerning factor right because as we've all seen you you've got opt-outs and you got motivation that are always like i will always bet service academies and bowl games because they care you yeah. know what i mean like, yeah yeah I'm aching to get Army in a bowl game. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, give me Army because Put Army in the pinstripe bowl, let him play. Because I'm at, because they're they're just pumped. They're so pumped to be there. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, so for that, sure. So that's a but that's normally when we get the SEC Big Ten comps, and I, I just I think that's a, that's a struggle. Right. Okay. So we found that the latter half of the conference a little harder to deal with. So we'll end on this. As you are the host of Locked hey, On ben, LSU, real, real quick, can I say something real quick? Please. So all the Big Ten fans listening. You don't think I'm a gigantic homer. Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri, they are poo. I mean, dog poo. A steaming pile. Like on a, on a, on a cold winter day when your dog goes outside and drops a deuce and then there's steam, that's Arkansas. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that everything in the SEC, like there's a lot of really bad in the SEC. So, Yes. I mean, you have to deal with your Northwestern and you have to deal with, you know, Rutgers, Maryland. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I, but even, but even Maryland, like Maryland's got all the Under Armour money and my God, like, why aren't you better? Like they can be. Arkansas, but, okay. That's a great comp. Ben, I know I'm going long. That's a great comp. Maryland, Arkansas. Do you realize how much money Arkansas has? They've got the Walmart money. Ooh. They've got the chicken money. They've got Jerry Jones money. There it is. They've, FedEx, FedEx is based in Memphis, but they're Arkansas grads. Like Arkansas has so much money and they can't win because there are no players in Arkansas. Like Sam Pittman will be a fascinating test test case because, because this is testing the Ed Ogeron theory. Can you get the head coach that's the CEO, like big personality who hires great coordinators and creates this organization and like delegates and recruits, like it it worked at LSU. Like that's what Arkansas hired their version of Ed Ogeron. Mm-hmm. That's what they just did with Sam Pittman. So we'll see. I okay, like Arkansas. I like that. So let's end on this. Host of Locked on LSU. If you had to have a Big Ten fan base cheer for the Tigers this season, who would you want that Big Ten fan base to be? All of them, because you're not cheering for Alabama. You've got to cheer against Alabama. Every one of you should be cheering for LSU because it's not Alabama. That's the point. Alabama is the death of college football. They are awful. They don't need to win anymore. They, they, there was a season where Alabama went like 7-4 and four and they claim a national title. It's absurd. Alabama needs to lose. And the biggest threat to Alabama is LSU. So you should all be cheering for LSU because by proxy, you don't want to cheer for Alabama. That's why. Matt Moscona, that was one of the best pitches I've heard in my entire life. You could have been a tech CEO walking into the Shark Tank right there. I think all of the fans of the Big Ten that listen to the Locked On Big Ten show will put their faith in the LSU Tigers this year. And a quick side note for me, a former Omaha resident, LSU used to come to the College World Series, and they would go out each and every year, even if LSU wasn't in the Final Eight playing for the College Baseball National title. And a lot of Nebraska fans – will be sympathetic towards that. I can guarantee you that. Barrett's barley corn. I'm 100% in. Like, LSU fans love Omaha. Trust me. That's a 
it was devastating to not be able to go this past year. But yes, absolutely. Omaha, awesome spot. Matt Moscona, a great member of the Locked On Podcast Network, one of the new hosts of the new Locked On College Football, the host of Locked On LSU, the host of After Further Review on the ESPN radio affiliates all throughout the great state of Louisiana, as our man Ed Ogeron would say. Also, I loved Ed on College Game Day this past week. A serious discussion, but him saying social injustice got to go, racism got to go, was one of the best ways Coach O could talk about it. I absolutely loved every part of it. Matt, I absolutely loved every part of having you on this podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Ben. Truly, such an impassioned plea right there from Matt Moscona, the host of Locked On LSU, the man doing it all over the bayou for ESPN Radio after further review, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time each and every weekday. Shout out to Matt Moscona. What a great pleasure it was to have him on this podcast. You can tell he's a pro's pro. He knows his stuff. He has great insight, and he does it in a personable manner. That checks all of the boxes I'm looking for when I'm looking to bring on great, engaging guests on the Locked On Big Ten show. And speaking of bringing people on this podcast, I told you I had some big, exciting news for you surrounding the future of Locked On Big Ten. What would we do? In a fall sports season, when there are no actual fall sports to talk about, as the rumor mill starts to die down, and if this weekend is any indication, what are we going to do to keep you, the great fans, the great community that is the Big Ten Conference, entertained and enjoying yourselves here on the Locked On Big Ten Show? Well, buddy, I hope you're sitting down, because here is some big news. Starting next week, starting on Monday, Locked On Big Ten will be back to five days a week and we will be bringing in voices from around the Big Ten community that are members of this great Locked On podcast network. Here's the quick rundown of how it will go. On Monday's episodes, it'll be myself and the host of Locked On Nittany Lions, Kevin McGuire, who's been covering college football for like a decade now, giving you the perspective on what happened around the national landscape from the weekend and how some of those Big Ten guys, former Big Ten players, did on their NFL Sundays. We'll be recapping all of it. On Tuesday, it is myself and the host of Locked On Badgers, Asher Lowe. We have a great rapport already. You've heard Asher many times on this podcast. We will be having some fun with the Big Ten. Looking back on the previous season and the corresponding weeks and finding the best punts and the best runs from those games during the Big Ten year in 2019 and maybe beyond. On Wednesday, it is Andrew Wade Wednesday. The host of Locked On Hawkeyes joins me. We'll have some fun. We'll talk about topics that are buzzing around college football, around the Big Ten. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be exciting. Andrew Wade Wednesdays. Book it down now. On Thursday, it is the host of Locked On Wolverines and myself, Isaiah Hole, talking about all the things you would want to know. And here's my idea with Isaiah. I got to run this by him, but I think he'll be on board. Because the coach that he covers most closely, Jim Harbaugh, is known for being a walking soundbite. And all of the quirky things that he says tends to spark some national headlines. We'll be looking back at some of the best quotes from press conferences in years past from Big Ten football and maybe even basketball. We can look not that far to last season and some things Pat Fitzgerald said from Northwestern's head coach. We'll have some fun with it. We'll tie it all together. And then on Friday to round out your week, this will no longer be my podcast pretty much because I've been told by my guys from Locked On Spartans, both Will Hunter and Matt Sheehan, that they're going to come on this podcast and we're just going to have a reckless time. It is going to be ruckus. It is going to be anarchy, but it will be fun and it will be exciting and it will send you into your weekend here on the Locked On Big Ten Show with a laugh and a smile on your face. That is my promise. That is a lineup 
Five straight days of excellence. That is my promise to you on the Locked On Big Ten show. We will heal as a Big Ten community together. We will get voices from around the conference to bring us together. Because during these times, when we have no college football to watch this fall in our specific conference, we need to be together. It will be a group healing process, and it will start right here on the Locked On Big Ten show. Back to five days a week, starting next Monday. You better be ready to go, because we are here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So, for this upcoming week, still two more shows, Wednesday and Friday. We'll be talking to some other Power 5 conferences and who we should put our loyalties into for this season, where our fandom should go for the ACC and the Big 12. That will be coming to round out this week on Locked On Big 10 before we get back to five days a week with brand spanking new fun coming up next week. So until we talk on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, have a splendid Tuesday. <laughs>